Welcome to the Hope United Church Podcast. We are one church with two locations. For video live streams of our services and more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. And the title of my message tonight is The Great Commission. So loads of you will have heard that, that the Great Commission. And really... The background to the Great Commission is Jesus has died on the cross. He has said it is finished. He has rose again on the third day. And then he has started appearing to his disciples. And he charges the disciples with the Great Commission. And I'm just going to read out what he actually says. And it's in the book of Matthew 28. And he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So that is what Jesus had spoken to the disciples about. That was their commission. That was what he asked them to do. But what you find is, and you'll hear this often in scripture, you'll hear scriptures like you'll have heard the Great Commission, most of you. Maybe some of you won't have heard that, but now that you're hearing it, you'll have probably identified that scripture. And we tend to just kind of think of a scripture in its own little box. And sometimes we don't consider the context. We don't consider what goes before it. And we don't always know the scripture that precedes the commissioning that God's actually given us. So if we just put up verse 18, which this is this this is a line before Jesus commissioned the disciples and he said and Jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth so there's a sub a subtitle to our message the great commission taking authority you see before the disciples were sent out by Jesus to go and reach the world of which we are participants of that today he spoke about the authority that he had in heaven and in earth and all authority how much authority has been given to Jesus all authority has been given to Jesus and Jesus gives that authority to ourselves when you're commissioned to do something then you are given something You are given what Jesus had. You are given authority. But here's the deal. We don't know that we've got authority. If I was to ask you rhetorically, how many of you have heard of the Great Commission? You'd put your hand up and say, I know I have to go out into the world and preach the good news and lead people to Jesus. I knew I had to do that. But if I asked you if you knew what the scripture was before that about taking authority, I bet you would say, no, I never knew that. So we don't always know and we don't have an awareness of the authority that God's already given us. That we are co-heirs with Christ. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and he says that greater things that we will do because he goes to the Father and he is actually there interceding for us to the Father. So we are set up for Jesus. We are set up with Jesus to do greater than what he done. And who would say that Jesus done pretty amazing things? I mean, come on. He done pretty amazing things. And from this scripture, I just am going to share three points just to kind of help us kind of understand the authority that God's actually given us. And the first point, if you're taking notes, is that Jesus spoke authority. Authority is given before purpose is released. Your authority was given to you before you even knew you had a purpose. You were given authority before you even could conceive in your mind that God would have a plan for you, that God would have a purpose for you, that you could go on and do great things for him. And here's the deal. If you just think back when you get that awakening, when you awaken to your faith in Jesus, I remember mine. 
I never knew anything, but I knew I wanted to share Jesus with people. That week I led my mum to Jesus. I never knew anything, but I was like, you need to know Jesus. And I led her to Jesus, you know what I mean? And like, I would just want to tell people, I think it Anna, um, Carolyn and Fraser Dodd's daughter, who is six and goes to her Hope Kids. And she announced three weeks ago that she'd asked Jesus into her heart and that she was going to be going to heaven and she would meet Jesus. Now, do you think Anna knows anything about the Great Commission? Absolutely not. However, later that day when her friend came to the door, she was like, do you want to give your heart to Jesus? And do you know what I mean? So even before we're commissioned, even before we know we've got purpose, there is something in us when we get awakened to who Jesus knows that we are and created to be. There's just something comes alive in us. So we don't know that we've got purpose, but God gives us authority before it's even released. And here's the thing. In order to <clears throat> walk in that authority, we have to be savvy, we have to be wise. Yeah. Now, I mentioned earlier that um, we need to know the subcontext, the, the kind of scripture, but see before Jesus announced this to the disciples and before he said, I have authority and I'm giving you authority to go and be commissioned, this is just what it says in the Message Bible, and I want you to catch this. So this is before Jesus makes this announcement. It says, Meanwhile, the eleven disciples were on their way to Galilee, headed for the mountain Jesus had set for their reunion. The moment they saw him, imagine it, that's the moment they saw Jesus. It's like, wow, they worshipped him. Some, though, held back, not sure about worship, about risking themselves totally. Jesus, undeterred, he's like, I don't care that you're no worshipping me, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorised and commanded me to commission you. So that's what Jesus done. So if you just picture this, here's the disciples. Jesus has died, he's rose again. Jesus has said to them, I'm going to meet you in this mountain. They go and meet him. And when they see him, some of them fall down and worship. They're like, wow, there is Jesus. <clears throat> but some of them hold back because they're a they're a bit frightened or they're frightened to risk and everything that they have. And here's the key about taking authority. You have to learn to worship. Yeah. See, if you can't worship, you can't have authority. You can't have authority without worship because worship causes you to surrender. Authority requires surrender. And that's how God works. God takes things and he flips it round the other way. So in order for you to have God's authority, you need to be surrendered to who? To God. You've got to be surrendered. You've got to see who he is. You've got to worship the things of God so that you can have that heart to surrender so that you can then start walking out your purpose. And I love that. I think it's a beautiful picture. But let's be honest, some of us maybe want to hold back. We're a bit anxious or we're not really risk takers. It might seem a bit awkward. We don't really have the wisdom. And don't you love that Jesus accounts for that? That the 11 disciples, he just is so undeterred anyway. He doesn't care that some of them haven't quite caught on yet. And he just, you know what he sees it as? You've just not caught on yet. He's not condemning and saying, how dare you not worship me? And how dare you not do this? He's just like, listen, I'm pressing on because he knows that they'll eventually catch up. He knows that they're going to follow through in what it is that he's called them to do. One area where we can take authority, I believe, is in our prayer life. You see, it's so important. If Jesus was undeterred and pushed past them and announced that he has authority, don't you think we have to do that? Don't you think that we have to verbally take authority 
over what God's actually placing inside of us. That God's word is alive and it's helpful and it can change your mindsets. It can change what you feel inside. I'll sometimes share that as I'm driving to work. I mean, the last thing I'm feeling like is worshipping God. I'm like, oh, so I thought I'd go to work. (laughs) So I thought I'd dealing with problems. And the line of work that I'm in, it's just problems all day long. And you're just solving problems to the best of your ability. So I have to actually tell myself, listen, Vicky, you're going to worship God. Listen, my soul, you're going to raise up that you, God has got a great plan for your life today, that God is merciful, that you're going to have a good day, that God's got good things in store for you. And I have to talk myself up based on God's words. I've got to do that. So, so do you. To take authority, because by nature we will just not take authority. We will revert back to what we know. And the thing is, so in prayer, take prayer and praying about situations is really important. Yeah. I'll tell you a story. About three months ago, I was at my hairdressers and there used to be an old lady who was, she's 90, she's 92 now, but she worked, this woman was like in her 90s. She worked in the city centre of Glasgow and she drove every Thursday, Friday, Saturday from Falkirk to Glasgow. She was 90. I mean, she's amazing. I loved her. Jean loved her, loved her, loved her. And she was on the Scottish News when it was the Queen's 90th because Jean was 90 and people were so amazed at this hip-looking older lady who was well turned out driving and actually showed her her driving in her car from Falkirk to Glasgow. And she was just a beautiful person and she just valued life and she wanted to keep working because it kept connected her socially. And I remember years ago chatting to her about God because what she did was she'd take your jacket and you'd give her a tip so she would make loads of money during the day just hanging your jacket up and then at the end you'd get your jacket back and it just kept her in a a sweet spot I feel like with people and um, I remember talking to her and I'd be like how are you doing and she'd be like my friends have dementia and I kind of am lonely and I miss things and I was talking about God to her and over the years I would just build this relationship with this woman and about three months ago I was in and I was always asked my hairdresser I'm like how's Jean doing because she retired I mean come on 91 and retiring how dare you Jean retire so she retired and I remember saying to her how's Jean doing she says oh Vicky you wouldn't believe it she's no good at all And I'm like, what do you mean? And she said, well, she was out driving. She said, and she was driving and she was going up a slip road, she says, and she's not seen a cyclist. She said, and she's knocked a cyclist over. And the cyclist ended up breaking his back and it was a really bad accident. And Jean was devastated, absolutely devastated, as you can imagine. Somebody at that age and stage of life... I mean, she's always done well to drive, but then he actually knocked someone down and the person's broken their back. was just devastating. And she was just saying, oh, she's just going. It's like, she can't believe it. That's the only thing that's dominating her life. And she says, and the man's fine. And he's like reassured her. He's been in touch with her saying, listen, I'm fine. I've broke my back, but I'm okay. But the police were actually charging her with dangerous driving. 91, getting charged with dangerous driving. I mean, where is the kind of sense in that however um so it just devastated her so I kind of have a kind of prayer kind of wall in my flat and I kind of keep notes of people that I need to pray for and I thought I'm going to add Jean to my prayers and the prayer that I would pray for her so I'm taking authority now Jean lives in Falkirk I don't know her that well to say well I could go and drive and see her but I thought I'm going to start taking authority and pray for Jean 
And what I prayed for was that God would send people into your life who were Christians, people who could talk to you about Jesus, people who could bring peace to your life, people who could bring hope to your life, people that could hopefully lead her to Jesus so that this age and stage of your life, she would definitely be going to heaven. That was my prayer. And I knew that Jean was quite lonely because of what she told me in the past and also that her friends were in care homes and they never recognised her. Her son lived in Switzerland, so people were kind of spread out. So when I went back, it was just before the conference, I was like to my hairdresser, how's Jean? And she says, Vicky, you wouldn't believe it. Um, she said, I went to visit her, she says, and honestly, she says, I couldn't believe it. Like, the phone would ring all the time. People have been coming to the door. She says, like, people have been coming to her door all the time. She's like, and she was totally like, I can't believe it. She says, all these people are visiting me. And I said to my hairdresser, you won't believe it. I says, I've been praying for her every day. But I felt God was saying to me, Vicky, see what you're praying for? That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. So, and it encouraged me. It encouraged me to keep praying. So I was at the hairdressers yesterday, and of course, when I go in, Natalie's like, Vicky, she put her arm around me. She says, I've got really bad news to tell you. And I thought, don't tell me you're leaving. Straight away, I'm like, isn't it? You think it's got something to do with you and that you're going to lose some? I'm like, where are you going? Are you moving country? I can't believe it. I'm going to have to get another hairdresser. That is traumatic. And she's like, she says, Vicky, she says, Jean's dying. And I said, what? She says, I know you're so fond of her, she said, but... She's in a hospice just now, she says, and it's only family that's present, she says, but she's dying. And, and I was like, oh, my goodness. And I was sitting at the bit where you get your hair washed, and there was a man there, and he was saying, I know I was devastated, he says, when I found out, he says, the other week, he says, because everybody loved her. And Natalie says she's not there mentally anymore. She's got cancer, and it's riddled in her body. She says, but her family's there, and it's only family that's allowed to go in. She says, but I know you were so fond of her, and I know that you would, you've been praying for her. And as I kind of left there yesterday and as I've been contemplating this message, authority and I've learned that authority is not results-based. Do you get what I mean by that? You see, God asked me, I believe, if you like, to pray for Jean three months ago. Now, I didn't know that Jean was going to be dying and she may well even have passed away as I'm bringing this message. I didn't know that, but... I can't get focused on results when taking authority because that's really up to God. God has to be the the result outcome, not me. And the thing is, <clears throat> if you think about when we can be sometimes so focused in results where we won't take authority unless we know what the outcome's going to be, unless we've got a set idea of what the outcome's going to be. Whereas God's like, no, you should be taking authority anyway before you do anything. You should be taking authority. And if you think of the story of Peter and John, who had gone out where they were out and they were going to the temple, and when they walked up to the temple, there was a man sitting at the temple gate, and he was blind, and he says, alms for the blind, alms for the blind. You know, he was looking for gold and silver. And Peter and John said, listen, we don't have that. But what we do have is we give you in the name of Jesus. And the man get healed and he get raised and he get lifted up. And the thing is, sometimes, see, because we don't have what we think we should have, it means that we don't take authority. Don't allow what people ask for to make you doubt your authority. See, Peter and John could have been like that. I mean, I don't have any money. 
I mean, what have we got to do? I don't have money. I mean, I just can't help this guy because he's asking me for money. But no, they took their authority because the Great Commission is go out, reach people, tell them about Jesus, lead them into the kingdom. So that's the authority that's been given to them. So rather than getting downtrodden about not having what people ask for, they still used their authority and the man got healed. That's the, that's, that's the power that we've got. That is the authority that we've got inside us. Jesus, when he sent out the 70 and sent the disciples all out, he sent them out with nothing. He says, go out with nothing. Don't even go out with a jacket. Go with nothing. And you can imagine it. It's like he's sending them out with nothing. And you can imagine them going to houses, maybe like big houses, and how they compare and just think, how can I help people? And I think he was teaching a really strong principle because we, as people, then look at others and we think, what have I got to offer them? What have I got to give them because they maybe have nice clothes or they've got a good job or they live in a nice area or they've got this kind of problem? What is it that I can give them? You can give them hope in Jesus. You can give them that Jesus has given you the authority to heal and to, to take the enemy down. You see, that's why we've been given authority. We've been given authority to take the enemy down. So if we put this scripture up in in Luke, this is Jesus talking again to the disciples, telling them why you've been given this authority. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. God wants you to take that authority because he wants you to have control and power over the enemy no other reason no other reason jesus wants you to be free wants you to know you're loved he wants to heal you he wants to set you in the right path but the enemy of our souls who comes to rob steal and destroy is desperate to keep us out of everything that god's already died to give us he really really is so if we have to go out in our authority to tell others about jesus and his ways how do we do that? What hinders us from going out in that authority? I can share to be bit there. We can look at people and be like, oh my gosh, if they ask me for something and I don't have it, what is it I'm going to give them? You can give them Jesus. You can give them Jesus. You know, I've got two examples of this where if you think about when some of the disciples held back and they didn't want to kind of risk themselves, I remember a couple of years ago in my current job, like speaking to a couple of colleagues of mine who are Christians and who love Jesus. And I remember telling them, you know, if I'm out in people's homes, if I get an opportunity, I will lead people to Jesus. I have led people to Jesus. I've led old people to Jesus who I know are in heaven and I'll meet them when I go there myself. And if I get an opportunity, I will. I have said to many an old person, did you see that TV programme last night about heaven? No, and I'm like, did you know it was amazing? Now, there's not been any TV programme about heaven, but that's how I get into talk about it. Because I would rather risk that than not. I would rather risk and worship God and try and lead somebody to Jesus than not. But I have to be honest with you, that wasn't always the case. Years ago, I worked with the homeless in the city, and I was a manager, and 
I remember when I obviously I just get saved and you want to tell everybody about Jesus, but I was so insecure. I was so worried about what people thought about me. I was so risk averse that I never had the freedom that I have today to actually take that risk and say, no, I don't care. I'm going to have an opportunity to talk to you about Jesus. Whereas in the past I didn't, I was too frightened. And I think that's what can stop us sometimes from actually taking that authority because we're so worried about policies and procedures. You see, because I never had the confidence that I have now, I was really worried about what people would say or what if you get found out, you know what, so what? What if somebody complains, you know what? Well, wrap the knuckles, don't do it again, okay. But you know I would, because I would take that opportunity because God's bigger. Um, and I think the tendency can be for us to compartmentalise our authority. So we'll have authority in church. We will come into our briefing and we will take authority and we'll say this is God's house. This is where God's presence lies. We are going to have an amazing night that the enemy has not got any power in this place. However, are you like that in your home? Are you like that in your workplace? Are you like that in your relationships? Are you like that with your family? And really we can take a step back and think, I don't have that authority because the enemy of our souls is always working away. And what we need to get into our heads is he is the father of lies. He is a liar, a dirty, rotten liar. That is what he is. Jesus is truth. Satan is a liar. He just tells lies constantly. And what he then does with us is he tries to get us to focus on our flesh. Now, Pastor Mark spoke this morning and he mentioned something. He said that, you see, the enemy doesn't want you to fight spiritually. He doesn't want you to pray for a gene to get salvation. He doesn't want you to take authority through speaking God's word over your life because there's power in the tongue, life and death, so choose life. He doesn't want you to do any of that because he wants you to keep you in the flesh, like, oh, I'm insecure and I'm frightened and what do people think about me? I don't have anything. And he knows that, see, if he can keep you in the flesh, away from God, then you'll never win the battle. Whereas, see, if you're fighting in the spiritual, he knows he's a defeated foe because he's got no authority, none at all. And what he'll tell us is, he tells us that we need to take authority in the flesh. Listen to this. This is what he does. He tells us, you need to take authority over that person. Now, God never, ever gave any of us authority over people. He says we would have dominion over the fish and the birds and the earth, never over people. But see, when we're in the flesh, we want to take dominion over people. We want to take authority over people. And what happens is when we do that, it never, ever elevates people. It never raises people up. Everybody decreases. Everybody decreases. You think at times when you've had arguments with people or you've spoken some to somebody that's been harsh, that's not been loving, it's because you're trying to take some authority in the flesh. Whereas see if you're taking authority in the spirit, where you're prayerful that you are mindful of the things of God, then everybody is raised up. You've already won it in that realm. And then because people are raised up and they know that they're loved, that they know that they don't have to live in loaded barriers, we learned this morning, we learned that even though you might sit at the king's table and you might be a bit lame down here, you're equal in the eyes of God. See, when we are taking authority in the spiritual realm, then we raise and elevate every single person. And that's what we want to do. Um, 
and you know you've heard this and you just get awareness and it's a journey and it's growth honestly these things take time and this, I always think of Joyce Meyer, the battle is the Lord's, you know, that way. And she's, like, passionate about that. But it really, really is. You see, Satan doesn't hate you. He hates a God in you. Yeah. It's God he hates. Yeah. It's God that he is out to, you know, kind of destroy in you so that we never fulfill our purpose because he knows it hurts God. He doesn't really yeah. care so much about us. It's, the, it's God that he hates. Yeah. So he really hates God. So that means if he hates God, then it's God's battle. And that's why we need to take spiritual authority so that we can line up with who God says we are and allow God to win the, the battle for us. Because, see, on our own, we will get beat. We will get beat. But here's the deal. Um, if we go back to that scripture in Luke, I love this. This is awesome. You're going to love this. This is going to be amazing. Wait till you hear this. Um, Fraser, would you want to come up? So Jesus is saying, behold... I give you the authority. So that means we need to take it. To trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing shall hurt you. Nothing shall hurt you. God wants us to trample on the (coughs) snake and on the scorpion. Can we put that picture up, Joanne? God wants us to stand in them. Can you believe that? Imagine just stamping on that scorpion and on that snake. He wants us to trample in that. I mean, why is God asking us to trample on a snake? I would run a mile, personally. (laughs) Have I seen a scorpion? I would be off. I'm like that with a spider, never mind a snake or a scorpion. I would be freaking out. But God wants us to trample on it. He wants us to stand and he wants us to claim authority. And this is why. What do you think happens when you actually stand on a, on a snake and stand in the scorpion, when you trample on it? What do you think actually happens? I'll tell you what happens. The venom gets out. You're trampling that deadly poison. You're getting the venom out of the enemy. You're getting it and you're trampling it. And it's coming out and you're taking authority. And you're squeezing all the enemy, all the venom, all the horribleness, all the nastiness. That's why God says, don't be afraid and take authority over it. Here's the deal. You see, they would see if you get bit with that venom, it would kill you. And this is what the enemy does. He tells you that you're going to get killed. But this is what God does. He says, see, you're trampling that enemy and you're trampling that venom that's seeking to kill and destroy you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to heal you. See what's set out to destroy you and kill you. It's a lie because he's the father of lies. Why would Jesus tell us to trample on it if it wasn't going to hurt? I mean, he says it won't hurt you. Are you kidding, Jesus? No, I'm not kidding. I want you to trample on that sucker. I want you to get that out because it's not going to hurt you. You might think it's going to hurt you, but it's not going to hurt you because he is going to get it all out of you. And here's the amazing thing. See, when you start getting all this venom out, all the enemy's wiles, all these ways, all these lies, all these destruction... God using it to heal others. You see, because remember, why is he giving his authority over the enemy? To fulfill the Great Commission. To go out and reach people and heal people and help people. 
And it doesn't matter what they ask us for. We go with what we have, and that is Jesus. It's the work he's done in us. It's the transformation he's done in us. It's the healing of our mind. It's the healing of our emotions. It's the total turnaround life that each and every person is offered through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Does the rest of the band want to come up? It's awesome. God is so good. But wait to hear this, if you like. Can it get any better? Yes, it can. And you need to remember that Bible was wrote how many years ago? Like 2,000 odd years ago. And I love the detail that God goes into. You see, when he's saying trampling the snake and trampling the scorpion because of the venom, do you know today that snake venom is getting used to stop cancer spreading? Wow. So see that cancerous thinking that you have? that the enemy sneaks into your mind about your hatred, about who you are, and you'll never achieve anything, and you're this, and he gets you focusing in your past and never in your future, sending you a load of bar, and it spreads, and before you know it, you could be spreading that onto others because you don't feel good enough. See through you trampling in that serpent, trampling in that, the authority that God's given you, the cancer stops. The cancer stops, and you get healed. See the scorpion venom that's getting used today to heal the failure of heart bypass surgery wow now God says and promises he'll give you a new heart, a heart of flesh and not a heart of stone so what was the devil was trying to control your broken heart let you know you'll never escape anything that's broken the inside that clogs up your arteries that causes you to have a heart attack that causes you to be out and over God's using the venom that you're stamping out that you're taking authority over to stop any bypass work that he's doing in your heart how good's that? so when you take authority and you stamp in that devil and what he's trying to do and you see the work God's doing in your heart he's never going to be stopped because God's going to give you a new heart. He's promised to give you a new heart. And you have the authority for that healing, that transformation. And the greatest thing is we get to take that healing to others. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Hope United. You can stay connected with us through our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages.